passion is one thing that doesn't sum up everything, but is one thing I would associate with what drives us through our lives when or when we work with music, with audio, with recording, either playing ourselves the instruments or recording um, other people playing their instruments. Nobody's in the audio business for the money. I'm here in Berlin, Germany, with kind of a legend in the world of microphone design, Martin Schneider at Neumann. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for giving me the time to come ask you questions. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your background and let us understand how you entered the microphone industry? My first interest regarding microphones, of course, came from being a musician or, let's say, in school, playing with a, with a rock band and everything like most of us or many of us started with and then finding, okay, sound engineer is an interesting thing and okay, has a lot to do with electronics and acoustics. What can one study there? Um, and so I studied electronics or electrical engineering at Technical University here in Berlin. Um, and just as I finished studies, I saw a job opening by a company called Neumann, which I had sort of heard of at the time. It was not my price range, I must say. Um, I mean, that was, when was it? The early 90s. Um, so I had some dynamic microphones at home, um, piano players so, or keyboardists. So I spent my, my money on keyboards and not on microphones, um, but realized, okay, microphones do help for recording and there's a lot to learn about them. And interesting job, applied for it and had the big luck to get the job. Yeah. And so I'm still on my first job and still around here and still learning on a daily basis on all the tiny details there are to know about microphones. Do you find that many people here at Neumann have a similar musician background? Well, not all of us, but quite a lot. Um, either used to play in a band or might still have to do some private recordings or some sample stuff. So quite a lot of us are in some way involved with music. Yeah, That ties me into the next thing I wanted to mention, which is uh, Neumann is known for its high quality, um, but that tends to come with a higher price point. Can you talk about the factors that contribute to the cost of a Neumann microphone and why they're worth the investment? Capacitive microphones basically um, were mostly used first in the really professional in the broadcast environment, also in the film industry, and that's where people had to have really reliable equipment. Um, it wasn't a good idea to, for a microphone to break down during a live transmission, be it on radio or TV. Um, so a lot of, microphone, of, of our microphones and also from other companies working at the same time, um, they had to be rugged, um, had to provide good quality sound or excellent quality sound, depending on the application and be sort of rugged but at least um all right not everybody not every microphone drops it um survives a 10 meter drop um but it's got to work reliably in um, the, conditions in, in the controlled conditions that a typical studio microphone is used in so all in the construction has to be solid also if something happens and a microphone needs to be exchanged um broadcasters and also professional studio people like it, that's okay. 
microphone fell to the floor, but we've got a second one at the carport. We put it in exactly the same place and it will sound exactly the same. So a small tolerance. So minimal tolerances um, that basically one microphone can be replaced with the same microphone from the same type. Or when we're talking about stereo, that basically, hopefully it should be, that let's, let's say if we take two TLM 102s, um, put them in a stereo setup, that there will be no big difference between left and right signal. Um, that it, that's not what we would like to happen. Yeah, I was interested to find out that um, whereas some companies you can get a matched pair of microphones, Neumann, that's, there's no need because there's such a small production tolerance that all of the microphones are effectively matched pairs. Is that true? Um, to a certain extent, yes. Um, there, is, there are still, of course, some tolerances in production. Um, let's say the general tolerances that we allow um, when such a microphone is measured. Every microphone, of course, is and measured. Final measurement is frequency response and noise measurement. And only then it's packaged and shipped. And there are some general tolerances that we allow for every microphone. Um, you cannot just say, okay, it has to be exact to 0, 0 0.1 dB. That's just not feasible. Everything in the world, we, we live in a real world, so there's also some tiny differences. Um, but hopefully they should be so small that they're below the just noticeable difference. But what is the case... Um, we have some packages where we say um, we offer a stereo set because typically the microphone is used in a stereo set setting like um, KM184 KM, uh, stereo set. Um, two small cardioid microphones either used in the XY configuration or ORTF or AB or as two microphones for drum head um, or drums overhead. Um, but with some microphones we do some routine stereo, extra additional stereo matching, like with a KM184 set, stereo set. Um, we measure something like 100 or 200 microphones. All the files are inside the computer. Somebody presses the button, please do stereo matching. And then the computer compares these, the program, and then proposes, okay, take number 13 and number 17. They're the absolutely perfect pair and put them in the next box. And then these, blah, 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 these 20 all go to, nicely together. And the other ones, which are all inside all tolerances, um, but which weren't the absolutely best pairs, let's see, 0.3 dB, more tolerance or so, are then separate microphones. I was amazed to see all of the test facilities that are here during my tour through this facility. You have the anechoic chamber, you have these um, little canisters that measure the inherent noise of the microphones. You guys take yep. measuring the microphones seriously here, and it, it's really obvious. Some people might argue, isn't it much more essential that a microphone sounds good? Um, why don't we just speak into the microphone and listen to it or make a recording and say, okay, you might do that, um, but perhaps on a Monday morning, my ears might work differently because on Sunday evening, I might have been at a concert or had a different sleep than on th Thursday morning. Um, my ears aren't calibrated. Um, I'm quite good in AB or ABX testing to find differences, but I'm, I, I'm not an absolute reference. And I'm afraid nobody in the world is. Everybody has his days. Um, with our measurement microphones and our measurement setups, we know that every single day we measure always the same. 
and to be able to provide this consistent quality and minimal tolerances we have to measure a lot and measure equally always in the same way and that's why we are also we in development are also quite busy um, or quite often or, well not on a daily basis but regularly um, looking into old files comparing with measurements let's say from the 70s or um, getting all the measurements from production a big file um, with all the let's say U87 microphones manufactured in this year and looking through them automatically analyzing them okay see is there a certain tendency is there a trend how much is the spread how wide are the tolerances are we all safe inside or are there some outliers and or or especially important for us in development is there a certain trend are we slowly drifting somewhere 0.1 db by 0.1 db and then talk with the colleagues in production okay did you change anything there or how was the weather how was the climate did was something wrong with the air conditioning was the temperature not constant in the clean room um, is there any reasons for that and then getting all this aligned again so the important thing is really consistency to get a stable quality and over decades because typically i mean that's the nice thing as a developer when they do a nice micro uh, develop a new microphone i'm can be quite certain okay it's not going to produce just for one year and then yeah and the essence is okay we try to service anything that is really still feasible and that implies basically all microphones starting with the u47 from 1949 till today um everything that is feasible um and legally possible let's say we can't repair everything because in some cases um the spare parts might just not be available anymore and let's say some components might absolutely be not available anymore some electron tubes um they were discontinued in 1958 for example and by 65 they were all used up and if you want to get a replacement if you find one you have to buy a few uh, you have to pay a few thousand dollars for it just for an electron tube and we don't have um a big box of them left over they were all used for servicing already um many years ago and that's where one could say okay is there other ways to get these microphones back to work and then it depends you might do a lot of things with these microphones to get them back to work but they wouldn't become the original microphone anymore more or we would have to do things where you can say where we would have to say all right um, this would not be electrically safe it might have been electrically safe in the 1950s um, but not if we repair it now and send it to customer somewhere in the world and if something happens there and it's not according to current legal things because we modified it we made it into a new model we would be legally responsible for it and so there's some repairs there might be some repairs where electrically thinking or technically thinking one could say yes we could get this microphone back to work but we would have to do this and this and this but this would not be legal some people might find somebody else a friend who has got a soldering iron and do and does it for you um but then you have to be careful on 
what you're doing doing with and um, if that's really recommendable. And okay, and our main aim is when we repair a microphone, get it back to the original state or very close to the original state it was in when it was first shipped, meaning also might also happen um, that the customer has been using his capsule and his microphone for 30 years in a row, been using it constantly, let's say for vocals, breathing at it, spitting at it, lots of crumbs, lots of whatever leftovers, soiling, dust, nicotine from the old days, coffee, whatever, assembling on the diaphragm, never send it in for service and cleaning, and then realizes, okay, now it really doesn't work anymore. Um, then sends it in, gets a new capsule, and realizes, all right, the new capsule sounds different. Yeah. I'm interested to hear your approach on microphone development, but also just to hear your opinion on what are the key considerations that a recording engineer should should consider when choosing a microphone for a specific source all right now that's a very wide question and that's also typically where i would say i'm a microphone developer microphone user i have my own subjective preferences preferences and depends also on which microphones i have at home in my private collection um, to play with or record with um, but quite often I prefer to leave this discussion to the professional recording engineers who work. I measure microphones on a daily basis and have, have my own ideas on the technical pros and cons of certain microphones, um, but I don't do recordings on eight hours per day. That's a great answer. There are technical differences, transformer, no transformer, that might lead to an outcome. Yeah. There are certain reasons um, why I would not put a bass, um, perhaps a ribbon microphone, an unprotected ribbon microphone in front of a bass drum because the wind coming from the resonant hole there might actually destroy the ribbon. Um, I might not put a... Even though it's a nice microphone, good old KM84 stick cardioid microphone from the early 60s with one transistor in this, inside this microphone directly in front of the trumpet because it can't handle the SPL. Um, so the technical aspects. I might choose um, when spot micing the violins on an extended big band situation and there's three poor violins. Um, sitting in the front row trying to compete with the trombones and the trumpets, I might use figure of eight microphones there, um, looking at the violins from the top and trying to have at the 90 degree null angle all the trombones and the drums and the, and the trumpets and try to attenuate. It really depends on the situation if you're recording a single instrument in one studio and just focusing on this one instrument or if you're more in a front of house situation or um, regarding PA and live amplification or for monitoring or for recording um, larger ensembles or even worse at a live situation. Um, that's all absolutely um, different situations where I might recommend different microphones and sometimes where um, for example in this situation with violence it has to be a very good figure eight 
the frequency response looking at the violence is not the most essential point. The important, um, most important point in that situation is getting rid of, rid of what I call the enemies, the trumpets and the trombones. Sorry, um, nothing. I like trump trumpets and trombones, um, but um, to get this sort of source separation there, and. And in other situations, you have, let's say, a single vocalist and you want to get find the perfect microphone for a studio recording. Everything is already set, all the tracks are recorded and just the vocals missing. And you have time and you have a microphone collection and then that's where you might spend want to spend some hours trying to find the best microphone for this specific song, for this specific voice, for this specific arrangement. And on the next song, it might be um, that perhaps this other microphone there is a bit more suitable for this other setup. But then again, it depends on also a bit on how much time do you want to spend testing microphones and how constant is this artist able and willing to provide um, possibly, hopefully identical sounds just to test out different microphones. I mean, after testing, repeating a track for 20, 30 times, um, your voice is a bit wasted. Yeah, did you waste the good take in the pursuit of finding the perfect microphone? Yep, and that's where it's good to know that to have some microphones where you know, okay, this is a good standard workhorse. Like, and I guess that is a good part of the reputation, for example, of the U87. It might not be for a specific song, for a specific singer, for a specific arrangement, the absolutely perfect microphone. But it's, it's so basically neutral overall, without emphasizing anything specially, um, um, that it will always work. Yeah. So if you were in a pinch and you're sort of just beginning, maybe putting up something like a U87 um, would be a good catch-all uh, and a good utility microphone. But it sounds like your advice is listen. And if you have a collection of microphones, listen to what those different microphones sound like, listen to what the source sounds yeah. like, and make that determination based on your skill. Um, yeah, the, the final choice in the end is always sub subjective. There are some technical things speaking for certain microphones. And there's also a lot of things when developing microphones that I can determine from measurements. What will it sound like, let's say, in front of an oboe or in front of an electric guitar or at a certain distance from the cabinet, judging from lots of measurements that we do, acoustical measurements, at different distances with polar patterns in different directions, in what we call the free field, means anechoic chamber, but also in situations where the sound comes from all sides, that's what you call the diffuse field. That's more like this room here. It's not, it's not really a diffuse field, but where all the reflections come from all sides and the microphone picks up the reverb from all sides. Um, and looking at a complete set of measurements of such a microphone, I can get a certain impression, but on where for which rec um, situations I would recommend this microphone for, or where I guess most people will put this microphone. Um, but it's such a complete and exhaustive measurement set, um, we can't 
we don't don't have that on the website. No manufacturer provides such a complete set. And it would be difficult for the typical, let's say, guitar player or sound engineer anyway, who doesn't do measurements on it, microphone measurements on a daily basis to interpret interpret that in the way. Hopefully, I would do that. After seeing, yeah, thousands yeah. and thousands of measurements. Yes, I know what is a wrong measurement when I see it, hopefully immediately. And I know also how to do measurements so I can trick myself. If I want to believe in something, I'll just change the measurement a bit. And then, yes, that's what I had. And afterwards, I can tell myself, yes, that's what I wanted to really achieve. Um, yeah, you can. It is absolutely poss possible to make um, measurements which which tell you a lot of things, um, but it's quite often more for us, for on on our side as developers and manufacturers. Um, and the recording engineer should probably his main task is recording and not being a specialist in microphone measurement. Um, and so his main tool or her main tool is um, the ears and. Um, judging and okay, knowing about what happens when you use different microphones in di different angles, different positions, um, talking about um, source directivity, um, microphone directivity and proximity effect, getting, getting closer to the microphone for the distance, how you can play, how you can take the same microphone and put it in different positions and turn it into different microphones. What do you hope people take away from this interview and what do you hope people take away when they think about the Neumann brand? Passion is one thing that doesn't sum up everything, but is one thing I would associate with what drives us through our lives when or when we work with music, with audio, with recording, either playing ourselves the instruments or recording um, other people playing their instruments. Nobody's in the audio business for the money. Um, or if you want to make big money, go into the big industry. Um, everything, everybody, or a lot of people in the audio industry have something to do with audio or music. And we're here for a reason because of our interest and our passion for music and to get that nice music, hopefully performed by nice people, and make it into a nice recording and transport it to other people who can then listen to this nice music. And do it and best way possible so make it nice and good recording with the best possible tools so to give the listener then the best possible experience and involve him or her as best as possible into the music what a wonderful answer i appreciate it thank you